month of January is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, come to our assistance. Jesus, help us. Jesus, we love you. The last words of Pope Benedict XVI before he passed away, he said, Jesus, I love you. By the way, this this was witnessed uh, by the nurse that was there. Yep. Uh, attending at his bedside. Terry, I'm reporting for duty. What about you? Uh, Me too, Jess. I'm reporting for duty. This is a great week in the sense that I'm getting enriched by the beautiful teachings of the Catholic faith through the vigor of Christ, Pope Benedict XVI with his passing. And today, Jesse, we're going to have the best quotes on the liturgy by by, by by Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI. We're going to go back and really pick uh, the greatest comments that he made. And there's one that is just, I mean, I'm just like excited. I said, man, this guy's amazing. Talking about the vigor of Christ and the role that he plays. And what he said was so beautiful that I, I'm going to tease you. We're going we're gonna to talk about it later in the show. But Jesse, I have some a good need-to-know file that, brother, uh, this is good news. Sweden. Now, Sweden is one of the Nordic uh, nations and they did not implement any restrictions for COVID. They didn't give the vaccine. And uh, this is pretty embarrassing. It's, I call it the, uh, the facts that are, that are inconvenient facts here. Sweden's decision not to lock down in the spring of 2020 was variously described as a deadly fool by The Guardian. Time magazine said it's the world's cautionary tale. They, they were hitting the mark. But yet Sweden confounded its critics. The country's first wave receded around the same time as Britain over the succeeding months, and it crept down the list of countries by official COVID deaths as others caught up with them, surpassing Sweden's death toll. Jesse, we said that uh, at the beginning when we saw that Sweden said, no, let's pay attention to what goes on there. And, and Ken, this is inconvenient to talk to our politicians right now and say, what were we doing and again, Jesse, they still don't get it because I'm, there are certain politicians right now who want to lock everything up and control everything about your, your lifestyle. And I think that uh, it's a shame because the facts are, distrem- are, are showing us that, Jess, you and I, two and a half years ago, had, were onto something when we said that this is being used for a political move. Absolutely. And again, it comes, uh, it, this, is, this is the Chinese Communist Party and the Democrat Thanks. Party working together. And the World Health Organization, the yeah, the World Economic Forum as yep. well. Terry, here's a couple of news items that I'd like to mention sure. again. Uh, aside from something that's very important, that the month is a holy name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Let it roll off your lips with love, faith, hope, and love. Let it be like honey on your lips. Also, General Motors donated to an LGBT organization that supplies kindergarten and elementary classrooms and pro-transgender children's books. No surprise. Yeah, GM provided a grant to the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network to fund the organization's Rainbow Library program, according to a GM corporation spokesperson. Uh, That's a disgrace, Terry. That is. That is an absolute disgrace. Uh, Also, Donald Trump claimed vindication after the January 6th committee dropped its subpoena of the former president, they probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in rigging the election played into their decision. In any event, the subpoena is dead. That's good news. Also, Texas takes action on the border. Yeah, the state of Texas 
began placing shipping containers along the U.S.-Mexico uh, border in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. Texas has also bused 15,900 illegal immigrants to so-called sanctuary cities. Uh, in 2022, Governor Greg Abbott, he tweeted the following, quote, As Biden does nothing, Texas is taking unprecedented action to provide relief to our overwhelmed border communities. Uh, and, and then finally, just want to mention uh, something, two things that, that, that just jump out at me again. I think it's important to mention that the nurse that was attending Pope Benedict's bedside, mm -hmm. she heard him echo his last words, uh, the, basically the last words of St. Peter to Jesus in the Gospel of John. He said, he breathed his last and he said, Jesus, I love you. Wow. Yeah, so the, the nurse reported that Benedict's last words were uttered with just a whisper of a voice, but in a clearly distinguishable manner. And here's the last bit of news, Terry, that just, just came out right Hello. now. Tell me. Uh, again, recently deceased Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and the Vatican has requested that President Joe Biden not attend Benedict's funeral. So this was Pope Benedict's final wish that Joe Biden not attend his funeral on Thursday. In I, I, can Peter's I speculate Square. why he said that, Jess? Why, Terry? Because he doesn't want Joe Biden to commit a, a sacrilegious mortal sin uh -huh. and receive Holy Communion because in 2004, yesterday, uh -huh. we read what he said about politicians should not ever receive Holy Communion when they're objectively killing unborn babies through their political actions. I think it was an act of charity. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and not only that, Terry, let's just be honest. Tell me. Joe Biden is the most pro-abortion president ever, ever to sit in the White House, and he's a baptized Catholic because this pope is well-formed, highly intellectual, knows the teachings of the church. He doesn't want this guy to commit a mortal sin on his watch, like you said. And not only that, Terry, he doesn't, they're on opposite sides of the fence. That's right. On all things Catholic. That's and right. so he wants to be consistent with his morality. Yeah. I don't want him at my funeral because him and me don't agree on anything because he's an apostate Catholic. And Pope Benedict XVI was one of those uh, faithful uh, Catholic popes that uh, will go down in history as one of the greatest minds in the papacy. I think he's preaching from the grave, and I think we're going to yes. be... Yes, yeah, he's preaching, preaching from the grave. grave. I like that. <laughs> I like That's good, Terry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, but good. But you know what? Preaching I can from tell the you this, brother. I wouldn't want him at my funeral. He, he wouldn't want to come anyway, but the point of it is, is if I knew that someone was going to be committing a mortal sin objectively... Act of charity says, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't come to him where you're going to do that. See, his love for souls even acts after his death. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, let me jump into a little bit of soul food here, yeah, Terry. Brother, hit it. Yep. So, today's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 35 and following. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. John was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. By the way, uh, does that sound familiar yeah. to those Catholics that go to Mass? The two disciples heard what he said and followed him. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. <clears throat> So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon, 
Peter was, a one of, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hit it, couple yeah. of, yeah. A couple of uh, words jump out at me. Mm-hmm. In verse 35, where it talks about, the Bible talks about the two disciples. Uh, one of these disciples is identified as Andrew, while the other is, uh, is probably the evangelist himself, uh, uh, John the Apostle. Also, some people wonder, okay, the word Messiah, what does it mean in verse 30, 41? The word Messiah literally means the anointed one, the Christ, the anointed one. And we as Christians, we are also anointed ones because we are part of the body of the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the title, uh, anointed one or Messiah, that's the, the, the Jews pronounce it Moshiach and, uh, in, in Latin or in, in, in Greek, uh, the, the word Messiah once again it was a specific designation for the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Also in verse 42, the word Cephas, this is an Aramaic word, or it's a, it's, it's a rendering of the Aramaic, which is the word Cef or Kepha, which means rock. And uh, this is uh, the personal name that was given to Simon Peter. Jesus renamed him because he had a different destiny and a different mission for him to be the holder of the keys and the rock of the church, Terry, until he comes back. I love it. And today's feast day is St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, folks. And just real quick, she uh, is a convert from the Anglican Church. You know, Jesse, this was the last part of the 18th century. Can you imagine if she was alive today, people and high officials in the church would say, just just stay as an Anglican. Don't don't come (laughs) in to become a Catholic. You see... This attitude has, has really not what the church is all about today. We have an attitude that says, we, you know, whatever, if you want to, whatever floats your boat. And that's just not what Jesus Christ taught. We have the fullness of the truth. And what I love about St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, Jesse, when she was in New York, she went into an Anglican church and she was praying and she felt empty. And she went next door over to a Catholic church and then she realized there's something different. And it was the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. She went to the priest and said, I want to become a Catholic. This is happening all the time. That's why I tell people, go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Man, those graces are like you know, nuclear spirituality there before our Lord. That's right. Jess, we're yeah. going to take a quick break. We'll get back. We'll, I, I don't have time for Fulton Sheen. Unfortunately, we'll do it on the other side of the break. Yeah. But we're going to be talking. I love it. The best quotes on the liturgy by Joseph Ratzinger. Remember, the way you worship is the way you believe. This man will go down in history as one of the faithful sons and daughters, sons of the Catholic Church, because he understood his papacy. And when I tell you what he said about what the role of the Pope is, you're going to scratch your head and say, why isn't that happening now? Okay, I said it. You know why? It's true. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Usually we have our Fulton Sheen in the first segment, but I want to bring him in right now. If I could just pull Sheen ahead. And this is true for me, for Jess, for everyone. He says, the Lord hears us more readily than we suspect. 
It is our listening to God that needs to be improved. And what do we mean by that? Yeah, God's speaking to us like the hound of heaven, but we're not listening. So when we go before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and if there's silence there, put your listening cap on and just say, Jesus, what is your will for me today? Moment by moment. I want to do it. That's a prayer that's never not answered. All right, Jess, let's get to our topic of the day, which is the best quotes on the liturgy by Joseph Ratzinger and Pope Benedict XVI. Great article. Yeah, Terry, this, uh, doctor, this article's from the greatest apologist would, for the Latin Mass uh, community is Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. He's uh, what, what Carl Keating was to Catholic Protestant apologetics, uh, <laughs> Dr. Kwasniewski, Peter Kwasniewski, he is the apologist for all things uh, you know, pre-1962. And can I poke a little fun at myself? Yeah. I remember when he was a student at Thomas Aquinas College. And I looked at this dude, and I said, who is this guy? I, I'll who's, never forget. Who is this nerd? Yeah, a nerd, because he was heady. <laughs> yes, I'm serious. I really said that. And then, you know what? 30 years later, here he is, you know, writing all this great stuff. I just think about yeah. it. And I go, man, I, I can't believe how much water's gone under the bridge in my lifetime. I've seen from <laughs> Father Michelli, you know, to, for, for Father Enrique Rueda, all these guys that are dead now. And I'm still alive going, what? He grew up and became this? You mean he's now the bishop? Father... Uh, I'll give you one real quick one, and you guys can look him up. Charlie Brown, he's the bishop, he's the papal uh, legate in the Philippines. And this guy is awesome. He's from New York, and I met him years ago. And now he's in his 60s, and uh, just one of the great theologians. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger is the one who took him by the hand and put him in the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. He was the right-hand man for the, for the late Benedict XVI. All right, let's move on, Jess. Okay, so Peter Kuzneski writes about all the statements, the relevant quotes by Cardinal Ratzinger that he's collected them in this one article yep. in chronological order by years. And so he shows the way Cardinal Ratzinger, the way he was very consistent with what he said and the way a lot of his ideas also did develop. Yep. And, uh, and so you can see as we go through these quotes starting from 1976, you'll see the way Car even the young Cardinal Ratzinger understood the importance of tradition, and he began defending tradition very early on. And so this is going to make him, you know, um, amongst the post-Vatican II theologians, this makes him a giant amongst the post-1965 uh, theological experts at Vatican II. So the first thing he said about the sacred liturgy, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, was in 1976. He wrote this to a letter to Professor Wolfgang Waldstein Ooh, in 1976. He writes this, quote, The problem of the new missile, so he's talking about the Novus Ordo missile. The problem of the new missile lies in its abandonment of a historical process that, will all, that was always continual before and after St. Pius V and in the creation of a completely new book. Although it was compiled of old material, the publication of which was accompanied by a prohibition of all that came before it, wow, yep. which besides is unheard of in the history of both law and liturgy. So he's criticizing because the council fathers are saying, you know what, they, they made a mass 
out of and instead of instead of organically, right. he's saying out of whole cloth, just a rabbit out of a hat, just an entirely new Roman missile, entirely new mass. And he's criticizing that. Mm-hmm. And he says here, as I can say with certainty, based on my knowledge of the conciliar debates and my repeated re- reading of the speeches made by the council fathers, that this does not correspond to the intentions of the Second Vatican Council. What's he saying there? We never intended to break That's right. with, with the church before Vatican II. And what was drafted in, 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 in uh, the new missile, Sacrosanctum Concilium, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger saying, this is not the intention. What we've seen now with the Mass is not the intention of Vatican II. And we all have been saying that for many years, but he is saying it. He was one of the fathers of the council. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Abbot yes, Boniface. wait, we don't. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of Abbot Boniface Luke, who in a, had a similar situation. He was a paritas at the council, like Benedict. And they said the same thing. For example, we're going to get into some of the liturgy where, the, you know, people are supposed to know their parts of the Mass in Latin. What is that implying? That the Mass is going to be celebrated in Latin. Let- but they didn't even implement that. So... We have, uh, you know, it's nice to hear from Pope Benedict as Joseph Ratzinger saying these things. And you know what I find interesting, Jesse? He said that a year before uh, Pope Paul VI made him uh, a bishop in the Catholic Church. So he Mm. recognized, I mean, why would he make him a bishop after pointing out this? Because I think, in my humble opinion, because I've talked to people about this, Paul VI had a lot of regrets with Bunini. I've Mm. I've had priests tell Mm. me that they have friends who are bishops who are in their presence with with uh, Pope Paul VI, and uh, many he really trusted his people like Munini too much because uh, look what happened with the implementation of Vatican II. It went way south. Bunini, right. the, Bunini the Mason. Yep. Let's Tara, get, let me just let, yeah. let me this, 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 mention something which, which has everything to do with this article. Okay. Because this everybody's talking about this in the Catholic News Network, yeah. is that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth Secretary Archbishop Ganswine oh, yeah. has revealed the Pontiff's reaction to the wildly unpopular Traditionis Custodis. Yeah, let's hear that because see that was done. Uh, he yes. did it after the death of. There's so many more things that are going to come out with Benedict. Oh yeah. Once he's dead, but go ahead. So, so Archbishop Ganswine is saying that the 2022 document written by Pope Francis, Tra- Traditionis Custodis, which severely restricted the Latin Mass, in a move that was seen as spiteful and counterproductive, unnecessarily alienating, alienating many young people and families. Cardinal Archbishop Ganswine, excuse me, he said. That this move, this document, yeah. he said, broke Pope Benedict's heart. Yeah, of broke his heart. And he said, and it hit him pretty hard. Close quote. He also speaks of the Latin Mass, Pope Benedict, as a treasure yeah. for young people. Of course. And Pope Benedict says that he's not comfortable with the fact that the Latin Mass was taken away from them. So, Terry, I believe... People die of broken hearts. Yeah. When you feel, especially when you're old and sick. Oh, yeah. And when there's a huge act of betrayal, can you imagine? You're still alive. You're still lucid. And the the present pope disrespects you. And with a stroke of the pen, he basically throws out Samorum Pontificum while you're still alive. This is the height of disrespect. This is the height of, uh, this is unbecoming of a pope. But you know what, Jesse? 
as a German gentleman, his style was always uh, to remain quiet and humble. Now, uh, most of us, if that would have happened to you or to me, Jess, I doubt if you would have said, stayed quiet. And he said, you know what, wait a minute. You know, let me see if I can intervene here. This is just wrong. But he didn't. And uh, now, uh, now that he's passed, I guarantee you there's going to be letters that are going to come out that um, he was not a happy camper because, let's be honest, the last 10 years, we're going to be celebrating 10 years of Pope Francis. I prayed for 10 years that he would confirm us in our faith. I need to pray harder because he hasn't confirmed me in my faith, unlike Joseph Ratzinger, Benedict XVI. He did confirm me in my faith. So we, you know, we, have, good, we have good popes and we have bad popes. Let's be honest, Jess. We've, we've, had, several, you know, we've had a handful yeah. of them. And the popes who don't bring me to Christ— in a, in, a, in a way that is there to confirm us, because you're going to see something that I'm just going to bring up even now, Jesse, because when you talk about Pope Francis and we talk about the, um, the power of Christ conferred upon Peter, here's what Benedict said upon taking possession of a cathedral, right, when he was Pope. Mm-hmm. He said, the power that Christ conferred upon Peter and the successors is not is in absolute sense a mandate to serve. Now, check this out. The power of teaching in the church involves a commitment to the service of obedience to the faith. The Pope is not an absolute monarch Mm. whose thoughts and desires are law. Now, he's not a dictator Pope. On the contrary, the Pope's ministry is a guarantee of obedience to who? Jesus Christ and his holy word. This is what Benedict saw himself as. He must not proclaim his own ideas but rather consistently bind himself and the and to the church to obedience to what Jesse God's mm. holy word in wow. the face of every attempt to adapt or to water it down in every form of opportunism Jesse moral clarity this moral clarity is, this is great advice to any vigor of Christ because when you realize your your job is to confirm us in our faith and bring us to Christ and not give your personal opinions that's a that's a man that's a that's a Christ-like man in my humble opinion. I only bring this up, yes. Jess, because that's important. This is important to see himself as the vigor of Christ, not the superior of Christ. Go ahead. That's right. His next comment, that's documented in the article, mm-hmm. is in 1986. That's right. It's called "The Feast of Faith Approaches to a Theology of the Liturgy," and that's in 1976. Yep, uh, 86. 86. 86 excuse me. And uh, the, the relevant pages are there that Peter Kwasniewski quotes. Here's what Joseph Ratzinger said, quote, As feast, liturgy goes beyond the realm of what can be made and manipulated. It introduces <laughs> us into the... <laughs> Sorry, Jesse, that's it, funny. It, it introduces us into the realm of given, living reality, which communicates itself to us. That is why at all times and in all religions, the fundamental law of liturgy <laughs> That's powerful. Look at the fundamental law of liturgy has been the law of organic growth within the universality of works. the common tradition. Amen to that. Even in the huge transition from the old te- to the old to the new testament, this rule has not been breached. The continuity of liturgical development was not interrupted. Neither the apostles nor their successors made a Christian liturgy. It grew organically as a result of, of the Christian teaching or the Christian reading of the Jewish inheritance, fashioning its own form as it did so. Wow. wow. And that's powerful because when you read the Old Testament liturgy, like in Sirach, I think it's in Sirach 51, yeah. 
it looks like the Catholic, a Catholic high mass. And it's, so if you want to see the way Jews worship, well, Protestants can't see it because they don't have the book of Zirach. It was thrown out by the reformers, Protestant deformers. <laughs> but in Sirach chapter 51, Catholics can go read and see the Jewish liturgy. And it shows you step by step the, the, the a high Jewish liturgy. Uh, I think it's the Day of Atonement, and you'll see. You say, "Wow, it looks like a it looks like a high mass, you know, like, like a solemn awesome. mass in the Catholic Church." And, and Jesse, before you go on to this next paragraph, Brant Petrie, Doctor Petrie, wrote a book, "The Jewish Roots of the Mass," and he goes into everything you were just going into and much deeper. So I want to recommend people get that book, "The Jewish Roots of the Holy Mass." Also, we're going to take a quick break, but this next paragraph, talking about Latin and the vernacular. This mm. is so important that Pope Benedict felt like, hey, you know, what's going on here? I'm with you, Pope Benedict, 120% with you. God bless his soul. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. Yet, we're going to be right back with more on the writings of Joseph Carton. It, Jess. Terry and Jesse show we're back. We're talking about the sacred liturgy in, 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 uh, in light of the writings of one of the great popes in my lifetime, Amen. Pope Benedict XVI, just a theological and an intellectual giant yeah. and someone that had absolute moral clarity. And I'll just one of the most hated popes by the culture. <laughs> That's for sure. And by the modernist in the Catholic Church. In my lifetime, I don't think there's been a pope since the end of the council or yeah. since the beginning of the council. No, that's true, Jess. That's been more hated by the modernist, St. Gallen Mafia, woke, left, communist Marxist in the church than Pope Benedict XVI. And that's I how think, you know he's doing a good job, Jesse, yeah. is that the world hates you. If the yeah. world loves you and they want you, yeah, keep doing your green life stuff. Yeah, we love you. Keep doing that. No, no. They're not going to want you if you teach Christ and him crucified. And that's exactly what Benedict did. Yes. The, uh, Dr. Kwasniewski quotes uh, Pope Benedict on page 84. This is great. Of a book that he wrote called uh, Approaches to a Theology of the Liturgy. Or it may have been a paper that he wrote. It says, in part, it is simply a fact that the council was pushed aside. That's right. <laughs> it's right. That's a fact, Jesse. We say, but he's, he's <laughs> Pope Benedict saying this. Go ahead. For instance... It had said that the language of the Latin rite was to remain Latin, although suitable scope might be given to the vernacular. Today, we might ask, is there a Latin rite at all anymore? No. Certainly, there's no awareness of it. So again, he's, uh, he, this is a statement where he's saying that the king has no clothes. He's saying that the council basically took the, the, the mass at Vatican II, Sacrosanctum Concilium, and never implemented it. That's what he just said right there, Terry. Yeah, and Jesse, we've been saying that because we read the documents of Vatican yes. II also. And this is why I keep saying, will the real Vatican II please stand up? Come on, man. You've All right, saying that for continue years. for the next paragraph, Jess. Page 85 of that book of Cardinal Ratzinger called yeah. <clears throat> Approaches to the Theology of the Liturgy. He says this, Even the official new books, which are excellent in many ways, occasionally show far too many signs of being drawn up by academics yeah. and reinforce the notion that a liturgical book can be made like any other book. Oh, my God. In this connection, I would like to make a brief reference to the so-called Tridentine Liturgy. And here he, he taught me something here. When oh, I yeah, I've heard that. other people say this. this is good. <clears throat> he said this. Yep. In fact, there is no such thing as a That's Tridentine right. Liturgy. That's right. And until 1965, 
the phrase would have meant nothing to yep. anyone. Yep. The Council of Trent did not make a liturgy. Strictly speaking, there is no such thing either as the Missal of Pius V. Wow. The Missal, which appeared in 1570 by order of St. Pius V, deferred only in tiny details from the first printed edition of the Roman Missal of about a hundred years earlier. So basically, Pope Benedict XVI writes, the reform of, of St. Pius V was only concerned with eliminating certain late medieval accretions and the various mistakes and misprints which had crept in. Thus again, it prescribed the Missal of the city of Rome, which had remained largely free of these blemishes, for the whole church. Wow. 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 Jesse, this next paragraph, I mean, commentary, he's saying it all. And I like this. I like the way he just uh, And that's why, for example, our friend, Father Dave Nix. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll, he'll correct me. He's, when I say the Tridentine Mass, he'll say, he no, no, just, no. it's called the Latin Mass. Yeah. It's just the Latin, the Latin exactly. Mass. He goes, no Mass came from the Council of Trent. So, yeah. so, Pope, so Father Dave has, has alerted to, of oh, uh, yeah. that mistake that a lot of us make. We'll say I do it all mass. the time, and you're right. Yeah. And, yeah. Like I said, it's, just, it's just called the Latin Mass. Now, there, was what, no, there was no Tridentine Mass. Here, here's what Benedict said. Listen to this. The Missal can no more be mummified like that than the Church herself. Okay? Yet, with all its advantages... The new missile was published as if it were a book put together by professors, not a phase in a continual growth process. Mm. He should know as a professor. Mm. Such a thing has never happened before. That's a fact, Jess. Mm. It is absolutely contrary to the laws of liturgical growth, and it has resulted in a nonsensical notion that Trent and Pope Pius V had produced a missile 400 years ago. The Catholic liturgy was thus reduced to the level of a mere product of modern times. This loss of perspective is really disturbing. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. Mm. Although very few of those who express their uneasiness have a clear picture of these interrelated factors. There is an instinctive grasp of the fact that liturgy cannot be the result of the church regulations. Let me repeat that, because that's a really powerful statement. A fact that liturgy cannot be the result of church regulations, let alone professional erudition. But to be true to itself must be the fruit of the church's life and vitality. That's page 86 and 87. This next one is very important, Jess. Yeah. Miles, Ter- I put it on cassette tape when it came out, this yeah. book. <laughs> Terry, Terry, you know, just my comment on, again, the way a lot of these things uh, were it, it yeah. seem to be put together by college professors, yes. not, an, not a phase in a continual growth oh, process. Done an agenda. I forget how many lectures I've heard that Eucharistic prayer number two oh. was written on a napkin. Yep. Uh, yep. I've heard some people on EWTN say that very uh, respected scholars. I read scholarly, uh, scholarly academic works that said that. That's how shoddy it was done. It was just, I mean, they were discussing over lunch, and that's Eucharistic prayer number two was written on a napkin. And can I give you Eucharistic prayer three? The Anglican church produced that one, Mm. and we took it from the Anglicans. Wow. Just, I mean, it was just like it was not done like it has in the past. Let's just be honest. Go ahead. (laughs) So in, in his book, Milestones, Memoirs, that was written back in 1988, 
Cardinal Ratzinger wrote the following about the sacred liturgy. He said this, There's no, There is no doubt that this new missal, after Vatican II, in many respects brought with it a real improvement and enrichment. But setting it as a new construction over against what had grown historically, mm-hmm. forbidding the results of this historical growth, thereby makes the liturgy appear to be no longer a living development, but the product of erudite work and juridical authority, this has caused an enormous harm. Mm -hmm. For then the impression had to emerge that liturgy is something made, not something given in advance, but something lying within their own power of decision. From this, it also follows that we're not to recognize the scholars and the central authority alone as decision makers, but that in, in the end, each and every community must provide itself with its own liturgy. When liturgy is self-made, however, then it can no longer give us what its proper, what is pro- what is proper gift should be, the encounter with the mystery that is, that is not our own product, mm-hmm. but rather our origin and the source of our life. Look at this sentence. Wow, wow, wow. A renewal of liturgical awareness, a liturgical reconciliation that again recognizes the unity of history of the liturgy and, un- and that understands Vatican II not as a breach, but as a stage of development. These things are urgently, urgently needed for the life of the church. Amen. Again, that's where his whole that's theology it. of... The theology of rupture, the theology of continuity. Yes. This is this is where it's taken from. These are his thoughts. He says, I'm convinced that the crisis in the church that we're experiencing today is to a large extent due to the disintegration of the liturgy. I've heard Scott Hahn say the same thing, and I've heard you say the same thing, I, by the way, Terry. Of course, I just quote him. Which at times has even come to be conceived of in that it is a matter of indifference whether or not God exists and whether or not he speaks to us and hears us. But when the community of faith, the worldwide unity of the church in her history, and the mystery <coughs> of the living Christ are no longer visible in the liturgy, where else then is the church to become visible in her spiritual essence? Then the community is celebrating only itself, an activity that is utterly fruitless. And because the ecclesial community cannot have its origin from itself, but emerges as a unity only from the Lord through faith, such circumstances will inexorably result in a disintegration into sectarian parties of all kinds. Partisan, yeah, part, then we see that in the church. Partisan opposition within a church tearing herself apart. Yep. He just, he just, he just yep. identified the situation of the Catholic Church under this present pope. And when he the, talked about the liturgy... Here's his last sentence. Hit it, hit it. He says, this is why we need a new liturgical movement which will call to life the real heritage of the Second Vatican Council. Here's my comment, which has not been implemented in in terms of the Mass. And Jesse, here's an interesting note. That time, Father Joe Fessio told me, Cardinal Ratzinger told us when we started the Adoramus movement in the late Mm -hmm. 90s. I remember. Yes, and it was Cardinal Ratzinger said, yes, this needs to be done. You have my endorsement to do this. Give us the real teachings on the liturgy. Vatican II was never implemented. And so it's interesting because this book and our founding of the Adoramus uh, liturgy movement, which I'm on the board for for the last 25 years, it was really started by the late 
Pope Benedict XVI as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Uh, we're going to continue more of these quotes tomorrow, Jesse, because we've got our good friends from mm-hmm. Church Militant to talk about uh, the news coming up. But I want to also, Jesse, remind people about your brother coming to our chapel in a couple of weeks. We have an evangelization oh, yeah, you, uh, conference on the Yeah, 14th. you guys don't want to miss this uh, this evangelization. This is the very essence of the gospel, mm-hmm. and this is the very essence of what Christ has, has commissioned lay people to do. And there's no there's no better evangelist that I know of than Terry Barber and my brother Johnny <laughs> oh. Romero. Talk about people that uh, not, not, they, they put feet uh, to their faith. They, they they walk the walk and they talk the talk. If you want to hear some of the most inspirational stories and the proper theology of evangelization, this is a conference you want to go to. Both of these men uh, have, I mean, together, they've brought in hundreds and not thousands of people back into the Catholic Church because they understand the clear mandate that was given to them through their baptism and confirmation by the Lord Jesus Christ. So you want to go to this evangelization conference at the Sacred Heart Chapel. What date, Terry? 14th of January, all day Saturday. We have Mass Confessions. Go to vmpr.org to register or call 877-526-2151. When we come back, our friends from Church Militant will be with us. And again, just to remind you, Pope Benedict XVI's writings on the liturgy, get his book called The Spirit of the Liturgy from Ignatius Press. Go to their website. They have lots of Benedict books there. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-526. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Jesus, I love you. The last words of uh, the last words of uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, as witnessed by the nurse that was there. Talk about uh, talk about dying a good death. Jesus, I love you. Hey, we got uh, Nick Wiley from Church Militant, our uh, our uh, our family across the country over in Michigan. Uh, he's here with us to give us an update on church news, politics, and the culture. Nick, oh, not not yet. Nick, oh, he's not yet. He's not, not yet. on yet. Okay. Hey, Jess, I just wanted to I wanted to bring up something since Nick's not on. Okay. So many of these books right now. I got an email from Ignatius Press saying that they put a lot of these Pope Benedict the Sixteenth books, both Joseph Ratzinger, on discount right now. They've got like forty or fifty different yeah, books. Yeah, read that. Yeah. yeah. So I want to encourage people to go to IgnatiusPress.com. I don't get a commission on that. You know what I get? Spiritual commissions because when people fall deep in love with Jesus, they get that. And you know, just right. one of the comments I stole from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth uh, comments on what he had to say is at the end of my book on how to share your faith with anyone. I said this, mm-hmm. there's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others about our friendship with him. That was Pope Benedict the 16th. It looks like Nick is here. Nick from Church Militant. I see you, my brother. Welcome. How's it going, Terry? We're too blessed to be stressed, brother, too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. I love seeing young guys like you, Nick, because that tells me the old guys like Jess and I, as we fade out, you're filling in, brother. That's right. The church is in good hands when I see a young guy like like, uh, Nick. Hey, so what's going on? And couldn't have have done it without you guys, though. You guys guys, uh, set the foundation for us, I feel like. Hey, so what's going on? Talk to us about... uh, What's happening? Yeah, the, 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 what's, what's on the news tonight? 
Yeah, so I don't know if you guys saw the comments made by Archbishop Gainswine, who is, who uh, was now, I guess, Pope Benedict's personal secretary. Yes. So he was at. He was asked about. Um, he was asked how did how did Benedict receive Traditionis Custodis, and so his response to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read what he what he kind of said. He said it it hit him pretty hard. Yeah. I believe it broke Pope Benedict's heart to read the new mode proprio. And, and he goes through and he talks about how people um, just, they found a home there. And, and one of the things that he did was he was trying to protect the faithful who loved the old mass from different schismatic groups, from different rogue priests, all those different things. He, he mentions Marcella Feb in there. He mentions others. And so he, he was really... He, he was broken. His heart was broken by it because, I mean, he, he thought that, you know, everyone would be able to have the old mass like, like they had it before and they would be able to spiritually thrive. And so he, he it sounds like he was really disheartened to hear that, you know, Pope, Bene- Pope Francis made Traditionis Custodis. And so, and so like, like a lot of us. And so, yeah, we've all been pretty broken hearted about it. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you why, Nick. Uh, think about this disrespect. You're still alive. You've, you've written... A moto proprio, you're still alive, Pope Benedict, and the successor disrespects you while you're still alive to your face. Uh, this is the height of disrespect. I can't, when, when he did this, all I could say is the Borgia popes look like Boy Scouts in comparison to the Francis Papacy. After he did this, to me, this broke the camel's straw. This was, there was, there's just, you think you would respect somebody say, oh, you know what, I disagree with him. He was a conservative and orthodox. I'm going to wait till he dies, and then I'm going to undo everything he did. You do it while he's alive? I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around that type of wicked wickedness that would do something like that. Yeah, it's, just, it's very strange that just, you know, not even 15 years later or whatever, whatever it was, that you're just all of a sudden saying the exact opposite of what your predecessor just said, when it seems like popes throughout time innumerable are just like, look, I'm saying this thing, and it's in line with my brother popes from the past. Mm-hmm. And then here, here, here's a pope who, while the other one is still alive, saying, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to totally disregard everything he said. Amen. And Lord and help us. That's why we need to be praying for Pope Francis to uh, confirm us in our faith. And when I say that every rosary we pray, I don't pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'll say it right on the air. I yeah, pray me neither. that Pope Francis will confirm us in our faith because that's his job, not to undermine the faith, but to confirm us. Go ahead, Nick. I'm, I had to say it. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. When I, when I pray for Pope Francis every day in my rosary and at yep, Mass— yep. I, under my breath, I pray for his conversion. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't pray for his intentions. I pray for his interior conversion because all of us have to... Co- uh, an interior conversion, the catechism says, it's a lifelong process. And, and uh, he's a lot older than I am, and he's got a lot more responsibility than I, than I do. So I pray for his interior conversion every day in my rosary and every day at Mass. Go ahead, Nick. What's the next topic, buddy? Oh, uh, yeah. So we have... In Scotland, the official police annual report for the National Police Force, um, they changed pedophile to minor attracted people at the behest of the EU. Unbelievable. Yeah, so the, these guys... Um, this is wicked. It, it's just been, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very wicked thing that we've been seeing for the last couple of years now where, you know, these are these are not... These are not evil people. These aren't people who are just totally sick and depraved. They're um, 
they're people who are a little sick. May, maybe at best they they say that you know they need they need help, which is what they're saying. What they said kind of in this report is that like you know these are people who need our help, who need some counseling, whatever. But um, at worst, at worst, we see a lot of people who are just like, no, you can be attracted to anyone. You know, Nick, you know, it just it, gets getting worse and worse. Go ahead. It goes to show you how again how prescient uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth was. Mm-hmm. I forget what year. Uh, and I, 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 I don't think I saved it on my computer, but he gave a lecture where he said that in the near future, he, he said, uh, I, I forgot how he did, the, the secular people in the, in the future would try to downplay pedophilia and just call it uh, adults attracted to minors. But Pope Benedict, about 10 or 15 years ago, he said this was going to be the next, the next push from the cultural left. They were going to try to normalize pedophilia. Now, I read this 15 years ago, and I said, oh, Pope Benedict, are you kidding me? There's not a chance. He's, he's exaggerating. I don't know. Maybe he, had, he drank too much coffee this morning. <laughs> he was absolutely right. Was 15 on. years later, he's spot on. Yeah. That's exactly what the cultural left's trying to do. And, you know, Jesse, yeah. and, and let me just jump in and say this. This all comes back down to a loss of the sense of marriage and the purpose of marriage. And Hermana Vitae, when we, dis- when we separated love and life from marriage, then anything goes. Same-sex marriage, all these things are a fruit of missing the point of what God created when he created man and woman. That's my take. Yeah, as you, as you become more depraved as a society, as a people, you just seek more depravity until there's nothing really left. I mean, as, long, as, as soon as you allow homosexuality, as soon as you allow pornography, divorce, all these things, like it's just, it just, it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. You, you're going to have your bestiality, you're going to have your pedophilia, you're yep. going to have all that. Yep. Nick, what, yep. what do we have last for uh, the, before we have to run? What's the last topic yeah. you got for us? Yeah. So, um, so the, the people who have the biggest chance of dying in the world are the unborn. So in 2022, in 2022, the leading cause of death in the world was abortion. So Worldometer has it at 44 million yeah. abortions that were, that killed people. But that we uh, from other sites and especially from the World Health Organization, we know that's nowhere near the number. Actually, the World Health Organization tells us that it's about 73 million per year. And that's not even accounting for abortifacient um, contraception. And so who knows what the real number is whenever you take into effect the contraceptives that are actually abortifacients. It's 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 scary. Just a hundred million people possibly plus that could be dying from abortions every single year. Incredible. Incredible. That uh, is uh, a fact. And again, you know, when we can kill the unborn peop- unborn babies, Nick, if they, like Mother Teresa said, all the other violence that takes off from this, it's all connected. Because when you lose the sacredness of life, you lose everything. Yeah, if you if you if yeah. you say, if if you're okay with abortion, I have every thought that as soon as anything gets bad, you will just you will murder me in the street if it is beneficial to you. If things start to get bad, that's right. You nailed it. Hey, one more thing, Nick, before we let you go. Tell us about your resistance group. Uh, we always like to give uh, people to, to, to be part of the uh, resistance from uh, modernism. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, so resistance has a lot of facets, but I mean, its biggest is that, so as church militant, um, with all of our stuff, we're, we're talking to 
everyone out there. Our audience is everyone. But resistance is, you know, a local chapter to where you're able to impact your local church where you are in your diocese, standing up for what's right at your parishes against your bishop, your government, whoever it is. It's it's so they have different initiatives everywhere, whatever the pressing need is. It's really about getting getting down to the basics of subsidiarity, yeah. getting down to the local level, because uh, here at, at the studio, we, we can't do that. We can speak to everyone. We can give them resources, but we can't be everywhere at one time. Right. Resistance is our way of, you know, like getting into the local everywhere. Yep. Well said. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse show. Keep up the good work. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check out Red Top Report and our evening news at every day at 5 p.m. You got it, awesome. my friend. Hey, yep. I just want to mention Matt Arnold, if he's in the studio next, uh, he's, I always like to plug his show. Uh, Matthew, if, if Richard, if Mitt, Matthew's there, Matt, can you just give us a little plug, if you're there, about what you're doing? Oh, there he is. I am here. Matt, 10 <laughs> feet away, 20 feet away from me. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Go thanks, Terry. Yeah, coming up on the uh, No Nonsense Catholic, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Pope Benedict, maybe some lesser known things about uh, our uh, Pope Emeritus, uh, now deceased, and we're going to look at the holy name of Jesus, got a feast coming up also, probably what is the most popular New Year's resolution for Catholic Christians. So awesome. all, all of that and lots more coming up right after this. So that means if after our show, if you don't have it on your radio station, just want to get the app by going to vmpr.org, download the app, not only Matt's show, but all of our shows, the Bishop Strickland show, which is going to you know, it's every week with us. All kinds of good programming for you, but you need to get the app to guarantee that you can get it. Yeah, Thanks again, bet. Matt. You bet. Jesse, follow, wrap it up, brother. Yeah, Terry, of course, as Catholics, remember, it's 2023. Nothing's changed from last year or the year before. <laughs> Make sure that you live in a state of sanctifying grace. Make sure you don't live in a state of mortal sin. Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out on the field for Jesus. Pray your rosary every day. Try to get to Mass as off, go to Mass as often as possible, if you can, daily. Yeah. Read your Holy Bible daily. Read the Mass readings. Practice the penitential uh, uh, practices of the Church. And remember, good way to stay in a state of grace, go to monthly confession. Go to monthly confession. And remember, keep on speaking the truth in charity. We're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Terry. Well said. And I always end up with the... Quote that says from Our Lady of Fatima that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Whether it's the Pope or whether it's the lowest guy like me on the podium, please pray for my own conversion. And that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio because every act is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Let's connect with offering our sacrifices for the salvation of souls. Everyone can do that. May God richly bless you. Up next, Matt Arnold Show.